Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in 1 Peter chapter 3. We've gone through the Gospel of John, how God loves our darkness. We've been, been through the book of Acts. We've seen what our God is capable of. Now in our apologetic series, I want to equip you with answers to the big questions that are being asked. This is mostly coming through our sermon content, and some is also coming through our curriculum content. But in our devotions, this first week, we're addressing that question, why practice apologetics? Here is 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. In your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You have hope in your heart as a Christian. You don't fear death. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said to the man on the, on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. That sounds pretty awesome. But we've been called here to this place at this time for this reason, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to reach as many people for Jesus as we can before we die. We have hope that they don't have. There is no hope in anything but Jesus. The audacious exclusivity of Christianity is not intellectual arrogance, it's consistency with what Jesus said. The audaciously exclusive truth claims innate within Christianity were made by Jesus, so we're standing by him. We have hope then. We have hope for an eternal redemption. We have hope for a new heaven and a new earth. We have hope that everything that's ever been wrong will be made right. We have hope that there's deliverance from the consequences for our sin. We have hope that we can repent from the sin that entangles us. We have hope. You have this hope, Christian. Now why? It's because of Jesus. What Jesus has done. Everything that the Old Testament prophesied finds its yes in Jesus. And now because of that, you can confess that he's Lord and you can be saved. You already, see the previous verse, regard Christ the Lord as holy. So you know about that hope. Now be ready at any time to give that reason for the hope that is in you. But there's further instructions, verse 16. Yet, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good than it should be God's will than for doing evil. You're ready at any time to give a reason for the hope, but you gotta do it with gentleness. If you're doing anything other than gentleness, you're not sharing hope, then you're condescending. I'll be honest, a, a, a younger me would have been pretty condescending at times, especially if I'm on an internet debate. I used to go out and pick fights and then just try to argue with people on the internet all day long. I, I saw a few people saved, but mostly I just made my wife irritated because my phone was dinging all night while we were trying to sleep. You gotta do it with gentleness. If it's, how else can you conduct yourself while you're issuing hope? How can you be mean with hope? You're giving a reason for the hope that is in you. So it's not intellectual arrogance. It's not condescension. It's not a love for conflict. I'll be honest, I've been guilty of that in, my, in, in years past. We're giving a reason for the hope that we have. So the way we do that is with gentleness. You don't beat someone over the head with the life ring while they're drowning. You offer it to them. You lay out the gospel. You do it with gentleness. You do it with respect. How's, how can you, in a practical sense, show gentleness and respect in the evangelistic moment when you're practicing apologetics? One thing you can do is just listen. Just listen. I saw uh, an ex 
a professing ex-Christian, so to speak. I don't think there's really such thing as an ex-Christian, uh, according to First John. But he said that he believed that certain books were off limits to him as a Christian. Let me be, let me, apparently I've, I've got to go on record and say this. I encourage you, Christian, read Nietzsche, read Dawkins, read Hawking, read Harris, read read it all. I mean, be ready. This is the word of God. This is our interpretive lens. But by all means, go out and read that stuff. I understand where Nietzsche was coming from. I've read Beyond Good and Evil. I've read Letter to a Christian Nation. I've read The God Delusion. I've, I've read uh, Atheist Universe. I've read everything by Ayn Rand. Like, I, I've read all of those books. I encourage you to do the same thing. And not just with the lens of how you can rebut it. That's going to come naturally if you believe the gospel. But understand where they were coming from. And do the same thing when you sit across the table with someone who has a con contra-biblical view. Understand why they say what they say. This is gentle. This is respectful. It's respectful because as you listen to their story, then it's only fair that you then get the chance to share your story. Because if you're going to listen to them, then they would reciprocate and listen to you. You do this with gentleness. You do this with respect. Remember that if you're in a combative scenario within apologetics, where it seems semi-public and other people are listening in and it's like this cage match that you find yourself in. You still have to be gentle. You still have to be respectful. Remember that it's not the other person who is the opponent. It's not a boxing ring. It is a moment where you're sharing hope. The enemy is not that person. The enemy is the devil. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not the flesh and blood that's across the bistro table from you or on the other side of the other screen on the internet forum. It's the enemy. It's spiritual. They would assume objectivity. They would assume neutrality. But we know based on total depravity and our own struggles with sin, none of us is actually neutral. There is a spiritual realm at play here. So remember that you're not trying to punch an enemy. You're trying to share the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. And then look at this, a clear conscience. That doesn't mean that you have a spotless record because no one has a purely spotless life. It means that when you sin, you repent. When you fail, you confess and get back up again. That's how you can have a clear conscience. And so if you should be accused of wrongdoing, those who disparage you will be put to shame. It's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Look for God to provide the opportunity today. It may be a small thing, but I've seen small sparks and little flames give way to huge blazes as God brings revival to the city of Seattle. Be ready at any time to give a reason for the hope that's in you with gentleness and respect today. Go.